Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports are important. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. The little squat man leaves it for dead. There's Beckham, let the ball in! There's Beckham! Welcome, everybody, to your late night second captain's World Cup podcast. Niklas Fulkrug sprung from the bench for only his third appearance for Germany, gets his chance and absolutely leathers the ball. Full Krug. To the back of the net oh, he, To he, save a point He crugged the shit out of it on. He, he fucking crugged that To within an inch of its life uh, Less of the Less of the potty bout now old. I don't know if you've been yeah, Drinking well, heavily just... over there or not But uh, come on now No but I mean Surely that was your reaction as well As that ball goes in It was just oh, <laughs> prop, Full crug Proper thunder bastard <laughs> no, Never, you know, never even... go full crug this Aon But uh, no, he wasn't <laughs> listed He wasn't listed uh, I know Kenny Cunningham I could literally picture Kenny Cunningham just going whoosh <laughs> Kenny loves a whoosh and that's what he would have been saying at that uh, as mm. soon as that ball hit the back of the net it was a finish symptomatic of a muscular approach to the game you feel Murph I don't know yeah. parts of it you felt yeah Germany I mean were playing a very <laughs> muscular type of game it was, it was just it was a lot of fun just to watch you know Germany just you know racing up and down the field in an extremely muscular fashion while, while all these tiny Spaniards just like pass the ball around in very delicate little rondos, uh, rondos around, <laughs> around them. Uh, Leon Gretzka is just... Oh yeah, unit. He's just an absolute unit on. I love the guy. So is full Krug for that matter. Yes. Full, there's an unbelievable bang of like... Uh, I was watching on the BBC they were saying that he'd uh, into double figures for Werder Bremen already this season had played a large part of his career in the the second division of German football and there was the bang of that off him as well wasn't there just like hang it up there get it in the mixer get it launched to full Krug <laughs> and he'll just you know kind of full Krug his way to excellence you know <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he fulcrugged yeah. his way into the headlines uh, with that absolutely brilliant goal. And also, but it, it was just a, an intriguing kind of mesh of <laughs> of styles. You know, the, the Germans were just 
just running around at high speed and clattering into as everything and everyone that moved. Uh, and it made for a kind of a crudely entertaining game. A clash of styles, Murph. Styles make fights. I do feel that the little Spaniards you talk about forgot to do those rondos near the end. Yes. It, it felt to me. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what Ken thinks of all this. It, it did feel to me that they forgot to keep playing their football. Oh, another five minutes. They were up. Yeah, another five yeah, minutes. And yeah, you kind of yeah, felt that the Germans the were much more bit. likely to, to get the winner than, the, than Spain were. So, how do Germany look now in this group? I think for the first time this World Cup, we can get one of these. Mac and D.H. Yador in Shakoral. Uh, Faye Dunaway. Scotland. Scotland. Our disgrace to Wordsworth. Yes, permutations man. Uh, was called into duty extra early on the BBC coverage. I, I had it at two and a half minutes before mm. there was a get the calculators at moment. I mean, <laughs> it's a four team group with three games. You know, I mean, come on. It can't be that. That and only two teams going through. It's not like the Euros where three teams from different groups. Yes. It's it not like the Italian 90 job, groups. you know, where you're watching yeah, yeah, six yeah. different groups to see who finishes third. Anyway, Germany will still go through if they can beat Costa Rica by two clear goals and Japan and Spain draw. So if Japan win, Germany are out unless they can make up a difference of eight goals in the goal difference between them and Spain, uh, which obviously appears pretty unlikely. So a Japanese win means Germany are in big trouble. But if they go through by two clear goals and Japan and Spain draw, or obviously if Spain win that game, uh, then they'll go through. So, I And then the only, the, 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 where, the, where the calculators come out, Murph, is if Germany were to win, say, 1-0, yes. and the other match, the Spain match, was to finish in a draw, mm-hmm. because you're getting into territory there where there could be identical goal difference between Japan yeah. and So if, Germany. if Germany win by one and Japan and Spain draw nil all, then uh, Germany will finish on four, Japan will finish on four, Spain on five as group winners. Germany will have scored three goals, Japan will only have scored two goals. Uh, So uh, Germany would, in that case, go through with a one-goal victory. But I think if you're Germany, you don't want to be hanging on to uh, too many of those. Oh yeah, because then you're you're in a situation there where you don't want Japan to get a score draw. Exactly. Uh, That's exactly it. A nil-all draw and Germany win one-nil, Otherwise, Germany would have to score more goals than Japan do. Germany would have to score more goals in victory than Japan do when, when drawing Murph, with Spain to go through. Listen, I think you're talking yourself down here. The calculator, you're doing this off the top of your head without a calculator, I think is actually <laughs> rather impressive. Point is, I think they will probably get a two-goal diff- victory over Costa Rica. Although, who knows? Qu- and, uh, quite a day of upsets today. Costa Rica mm. showing a fair degree of... By the way, the other thing is, most people presume Spain will beat Japan, so... That will ease the path for Germany regardless. But we'll see. Costa Rica showed a fair degree of mental strength to recover from their 7-0 defeat by Spain to beat Japan mm. today I by a goal to nil. I might be correct in saying that they've had one shot on target in both their games and they've scored mm. a goal with that one shot and have three points Efficiency. in the table as a result. Yeah, which, is, yeah, yeah. which is quite an yeah. achievement. And then Morocco pulled off a massive shock against Belgium. Is there anything more deeply satisfying than being 1-0 up and scoring the insurance goal in injury time? You've got to say, Peter Drury's had a good weekend on the Sports Network in Canada. We played his messy commentary on our earlier podcast today. Go and listen to that messy pod if you haven't already, by the way. And he fairly nailed it again. He nailed that second goal by Morocco. This is your night. 
relish it, Rabat. It's nice. That is yeah, nice. Yeah, very there. nice. <laughs> so many surprise results. Has anyone told Usman Dembele yet? There are lots of surprises in this competition. We see Argentina. Germany have just lost against Japan. Huh? That was that was another one of those clips just doing the rounds for the last few days that I mm. felt like I needed to play him. Yeah. I enjoyed it. What? I just enjoyed it so much. I think I might keep throwing that in anytime there's a surprise from now on. Just just the Dembele. What? Huh? Yeah, I mean, well, it's... it's Certainly the visual is very gifable as well. You've just been yeah, told sure some shock is. news and there's Osman Dembele expressing surprise on your behalf. Unfortunately for Peter Drury's Canadian viewers, John Herdman's boys, Murph, they didn't F Croatia. No, as didn't. Herdman said they were going to. They and indeed, as, as I said, they would. You did. You must have been pretty smug when Alfonso Davies put them one up, yeah? Reasonably smug, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. on, uh, <laughs> as is the style. Um and yeah, I mean, they, they, but honestly, within about 10 minutes, it was like Croatia were playing so much better than they did in the first game against uh, Morocco. It was like a, they were like a different team. Uh, and in the end, yeah, they were like, like having turned it around at half time, I was pretty sure Croatia were going to go ahead, right ahead and win this game pretty convincingly because it felt like Canada had given them their best shot and Croatia yeah. were able to brush them off and uh, like lead at half time, which I think was a big statement by them as well. It's another double chat with Ken today. I regret to inform you, both conversations take place within the same football stadium and neither of them happen at a licensed premises in Doha. (laughs) (laughs) Can't have that every night, you know. What's rare is beautiful. Ken was at Spain, Germany tonight, so you'll hear us talking about that. In the later chat, the first conversation, we covered the Mbappe masterclass for France, which Ken also witnessed, and we touch on another story from the weekend. We only touch on this, but just to play it for you in case you're, you haven't been following, the spat between Iran manager Carlos Quiroz and former USA manager Jurgen Klinsmann, ahead of a very big game between those two countries in a couple of days' time. Klinsmann went in fairly hard on Iran on the BBC after the Wales match on Friday. In terms of uh, their attitude to the game and their, let's call it gamesmanship, you can call it something else at home if you like, and, and, and they did just that and they just stayed on the right side of the law for the referee in another game they might not have done. Yeah, that's their culture, that's their way of doing it and that's why Carlos Queiroz, he fits really well the Iranian national team and that's he struggled in uh, South America, he failed with Colombia to qualify, then he failed with uh, Egypt to qualify as well and then he went back right before the World Cup now and guided uh, Iran where he worked already for a long, long time. So, so this is not uh, by coincidence. This is all purposely. <laughs> this is just part of their culture. That's how they play it. And they work the referee. They, you saw the, the bench always jumping off, always working the fourth uh, lines, the linesman and the fourth referee on the yeah. sideline. Constantly and in their ears. Constantly in their ears. Um, they're constantly in your face on the field. I mean, uh, Kiefer Moore probably will tell you lots of stories after this game today. He had a, he had a lot of uh, little incidents uh, mm-hmm. that we did not even see out here. This, this is their culture, and they, they kind of make you lose your focus. They make you lose your concentration and what's really important to you. And and so then they take you, they you take you off. European ref would have been different. Big difference with another referee, the Guatemalan referee, and I, I worked with the for the U.S. for six years. They went to Guatemala, Honduras, Costa Rica, and. 
This is the, this fits their culture, basically. It's the nature, basically. isn't it? You know, yeah, they, they kind of you, work yeah. it out. They have yeah. five people around them. They talk it yeah. out. Uh, the, 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 linesman, the linesman on, was you know, was from Wales. Well, his name was Wales, yeah. but he's from Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. But that didn't work for them. So um, they say it did not play in the hands of yeah. Wales. Um, just a minute. Now, Quiroz had a feral pop back there. Jurgen, he said, no matter how much I can respect what you did inside the pitch, those remarks about Iran culture, Iran national team, and my players are a disgrace to football. Even saying so, we would like to invite you as our guest to come to our national team camp. Socialise with Iran players. Learn from them about the country, the people of Iran, the poets, the art, the algebra, all the millennial Persian culture. And also listen from our players how much they love and respect football. At the same time, we must. We just want to follow with full attention what will be the decision of FIFA regarding your position as a member of Qatar 2022 Technical Study Group because obviously we expect you to resign before you visit our camp, Carlos. It's a lot longer than that, but I've had to, for brevity's sake, take a little bit out there. Tinsman was on BBC Breakfast this morning saying he was going to give Quiroz a call to calm things down. Says things were taken out of context. I've never criticised Carlos or the Iranian bench. All I described was their emotional way of doing things, which is actually admirable in a certain way. I know we talked a little bit more then on BBC's coverage tonight about Germany, Spain. So the thing is, when you appear on the in a lot of media and you say something like that and you get called up on it, you end up having to then give apologize another for each of one of the rule of the uh, of the rights holders. So there yeah. you go. Non-members, you're getting this show and the Tim Vickery chat we put out earlier, which features some brilliant insights to the way the Neymar injury is being viewed in Brazil. So why not sign up to the World Service for more of these World Cup shows right through the week. Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus VAT. Now, part one of our chat with Ken. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The press, they are garbage. Garbage. And whoever gets to run FIFA going forward needs to be clean and people and honest. Yeah. Yeah. Have to be. I feel uh, Qatari, Arab, African, gay, disabled, and migrant worker. We are now in this amazing place. Yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? Tell him he's Henry Winter and send him back out there. <laughs> the winner is Qatar. Ken, please tell me you are anywhere in Qatar other than the Oasis Media Bar. <laughs> Uh, oh dear well I'm not in the Oasis Media Bar I haven't set foot in that place <laughs> oh dear B- Bard I haven't set foot in that place since Thursday Bard oh it's a goal Croatia I'm giving away the time that we're recording this at Croatia <laughs> no that's fine it's, up. I've tried to explain to people it's a very fluid situation here in the, uh, in the, in the recording of these podcasts we're going to be talking mm. to you now and we're going to be talking to you then again after the match that you're attending which is well before we get into that Ken 
Take is us all back okay? to the Oasis, yeah. Is all okay after Thursday night? Listeners have expressed concern. You sound good, you sound healthy, you sound strong. Well, Thursday night was I, I, obviously a, a wonderful night. Mm-hmm. Uh, enlivened by Brazil, by Richarlison, by the Oasis. Uh, Friday was a lower energy day. <laughs> I spent all day battling feelings of worthlessness and fraudulence. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I sort of gathered my energies towards the end of the day and went out to uh, sort of have a bit of a nose around Doha mm-hmm. and uh, you know see what was going on on a, on a match day on a Friday Friday night and uh, yeah I mean you know it was it what was, was going fine, on I suppose a lot of buildings with a lot of colored lights drone shows fireworks displays anything that costs a lot of money and happens hundreds of meters away from you a lot of that kind of stuff <laughs> Uh, helicopters, drones. There's oh, so many drones here. I'm looking at them. What are, what are they all doing? I'm not sure. Um, you know, it was. I, I went up to. Uh, I went to the Intercontinental Hotel, which I think is one of Doha's most expensive hotels. Um, to the Belgian Cafe, which is a Belgian-style cafe, uh, <laughs> which uh, was showing football. I watched England. Uh, I felt very sorry for my colleagues who had to go to the Abite Stadium to watch England in person, as this really wasn't worth wasn't worth uh, traveling all that distance. However, I am at that very same Albite Stadium myself right now, uh, preparing for Germany versus Spain, which is yeah. Uh, yeah, which is which is a big one, but not quite as big as it would have been if Japan had managed to not lose to uh, Costa Rica earlier on today. So that completely changed everything. Um, it was going to be a death match up till that point. If the, assuming it, I kind of had assumed that Japan were going to beat Costa Rica, that would have put them on six points, and would have meant that uh, Germany really had to win here uh, if they were going to have a chance of going through. But that hasn't happened. Germany can actually get away with losing here and still go through. Well, let's not preview uh, it too heavily. A game that everyone has just watched. And we will. We'll get to future Ken in a little wow. while after after the game. Do you feel like Marty McFly, Ken? It's, it's getting uh, a little. It's getting a little convoluted now. Buzzing back and forth between eras the only here. Thing, yeah, the only thing in Ken's head right now is how this big game that I'm about that I'm literally at right now is going to go. But of course, no one wants to hear what Ken thinks about this particular. I'm just topic. glad you got in. I'm glad, glad FIFA are finally opening the door and you haven't had to go down the Aaron Aardvark route Ken any yeah, A-listers but... speaking of A's any A-listers knocking around that tasty fixture A-listers you, what are you talking about Alan? <laughs> A-listers um, well we all got locked out of the stadium uh, I uh, we, we arrived at the stadium I walked up with my accreditation my ticket and usually and they scan your accreditation with a little kind of a phone type device and usually it just goes beep and a little green sign appears with your face and name uh, and you are waved through but on this occasion it went and a, and a big red sign came up saying no match booking and my face and I was like oh oh no and then I was I was with a couple of uh, colleagues uh, friends of the show Mr. Miguel Delaney uh, also uh, denied and wow. Mr. Rory Smith I mean he's in New York Times so okay well it seems like we've we've all it looks like there's a problem with your system not our thing no no you have to go to the accreditation center so we, we walked down to the sort of accreditation tent walked in and what appeared to be the entire English uh, press corps including you know Mr. Martin Samuel himself uh, was wow. standing there everybody's waiting 
waiting to see what uh, there's another fine mess that FIFA have cooked up. Uh, but anyway, FIFA managed to get it sorted out. Uh, I managed to get into the stadium ahead of people like Gary Lineker, Rio Ferdinand, Maurizio Pochettino. Uh, who else? Shearer. Shearer was there. Uh, since Tell I me Lothar in, I've seen is there. Oh, this is a really Lothar, good game we are playing. Lothar, yeah? Lothar, Lothar is here. I saw, wow. I saw Lothar. Iker Castillas. I saw Javi. I, I turned around in the queue at the canteen and it was Javi Martinez standing behind me. Klinsman um, there. Is he too busy uh, having, ooh, having apologizing. feuds with Carlos Quiroz? <laughs> yeah, backtracking on his Carlos Quiroz. Uh, oh, now sign, of, now sign of him. I saw him at the France Denmark game, though. I saw Jurgen Klinsman in his capacity before uh, the broadside had been unleashed by Carlos Quiroz calling out his uh, disgraceful comments about Iran and its culture. And, and also about Carlos Quiroz himself personally. So uh, he was there with uh, Zuberbuller, the uh, former goalkeeper of Switzerland. He's also on the technical committee and seems to have been lifting a lot of weights since he retired, I have to say. Old Zuby, he's an he's a absolute unit these days. Uh, yeah, so I mean, what else? What else can I tell you? Oh, and there's, there's, you know, it's the greatest. You can tell me about here. It's, you can tell me about the France Denmark game because you've just you've, you've brought it up yourself there, Ken. Uh, much better hmm. match than you feared it might be. I think. Well, I've been obviously burned before by France against Denmark, but that was in Moscow when they played out the only nil-nil of the 2018 World Cup. But the thing about that, I think they were both qualified at the time. It was one of those types of games where it was like, mm. yeah, yeah, we, we have to fulfill the fixture. Whereas in this case, uh, okay, France are already looking good before the game. Denmark, though, didn't have a good start uh, with their uh, losing to, or not losing, rather, um, only being able to draw with Tunisia. So um, there was more pressure, I guess, on Denmark to get a result. And, and this is an interesting game. You know, how are Denmark, who are one of the best small countries, going to deal with France, who are, you know, a, a kind of a lazy superpower? Um and also one that is going to be playing Ireland in February. Is it February or March? It's pretty soon. It's not long after the World Cup. I, I, after watching the game, my thoughts are, it's just a pity that game isn't three days after the World Cup. That's when <laughs> I'd like Ireland to... I would ideally like Ireland to play France, you know, on Christmas Eve. Mm. Uh, and hopefully some of, the, some of the French players would have taken the day off because I can't see any other way that we're going to beat France. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, I know that I haven't, I haven't always been praising France a lot when we've spoken about this Didier Deschamps uh, team, uh, which obviously won the World Cup last time. But they looked really impressive in a kind of a, in their boring way. Like they don't try, they don't really try hard to do anything fancy, but they look really really strong so are, what are is, you honestly are, are you honestly calling the the france of mbappe and dembele boring every time they got the ball i was i was nearly off my feet yeah and well look mbappe and dembele are um two of the greatest players i've ever seen <laughs> and and the rest of the french team is just gonna sit in and let them let them do i mean this is what i'm talking about france's approach is very conservative um, you know, they keep it tight. The goalkeeper kicks it long nearly all the time. The team's full of big guys. They trust their big guys to be able to win the ball and eventually just get it to one of those guys, Mbappe and Dembele, and then then, it, then the game takes off from there. And, you know, it's like these guys are just incredible. Like Dembele, I have never seen a player with the composure that that guy has. It's 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 
unbelievable to watch. I don't understand how he is able to do this, and this is kind of beyond every other... I mean, there's a lot of brilliant players out there, but I just don't know of any other player who seems to see the game in slow motion in the way that he does. He always just is able to make this little movement to wrong foot his opponent. He's never, absolutely never gets flustered or, or sort of pressured. He's just always so calm. I don't know how he does it. He, is, he must have a quite a strange personality. Um, just that, just that sort of the situations that kind of excite, or or kind of um, the best of players are kind of get a little bit. Oh, Dembélé is just completely calm, cold blooded at all times. He's a remarkable player. <clears throat> On the other side, Mbappe is just completely irresistible. I mean, it was a moment in the first half where uh, he got through. Griezmann kind of stabbed the ball through. Denmark had had sort of pushed up. Denmark didn't really push up that much because Denmark were missing Simon Kerr, who was there. He was obviously their their main. Their, their captain and the kind of the leader of their defense and it was kind of Christensen Andreas Christensen now of Barcelona who was sort of doing that but I don't think he's quite got the same authority as Kerr in this instance they did push up Griezmann stabbed the wall into space behind them and Mbappe who's come running from quite a long way off just burns past the defenders I mean poor old Joachim Anderson mm -hmm. um, the Palace player well, you know, and he's he's had some brilliant performances in the Premier League this season. I mean, you can remember him against Darwin Nunez, you know, where, when he ended up getting Nunez sent off. Um, he's had some really good performances against against strikers and is a very good defender. And Mbappe made him look like a fool. You know, he just the speed difference is just uh, it was awful. There was a moment in the second half when Mbappe kind of took the ball and dummied and just slipped sort of around to the right. Anderson, I think, was expecting him to sort of turn left. And Mbappe just turned the other way and just burned away. And Anderson, you can see him just desperately trying to grab, trying to foul Mbappe however he can. And Mbappe just sort of steps almost <laughs> over him and just runs. And the look of panic on the face of Anderson, because he's not even going to be able to get back close enough that he can kick Mbappe. Like, he, it's gone. He's, he's gone. It's <laughs> over. Yeah. And, like, you see this you see this kind of thing being done to, to really top Premier League players. And you, you think, this guy is just... Like, so... Griezmann put this pass through, Mbappe was running, and this, he's straight, he's cleared through, and Christensen pulls him down. It's a red card, but it's not a red card. They gave him a yellow because in that situation, with two defenders on either side who are, and, and it's just inside the Denmark half, there, it's usually not going to be a goal scoring opportunity. They're in, a, they're in a good enough position to cover. There's no way they're going to be able to cover. Like, he's gone. It's, it's, it's finished. It's over. Christensen pulls him down and got away. He could have been red card then. Then it might have turned into a, a pretty bad defeat for Denmark. That was, that was a funny moment because the debate was being had on TV punditry. If it's Olivier Giroud in that situation, a yellow is fine because it's not the denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. But are you supposed to factor in the fact that it's Kylian Mbappe? Those lads weren't getting within five yards of him if he was if they no. if he hadn't been hacked down. Hence the hack, the foul happened because the, the, it was like quite well, the clear. Well, understood. Oh, everyone understood what was about to happen there. So, it, yeah. but you know, if is there a rule? Is there anything in the rule book that says you have to identify exactly how fast the player is who's about to head through on goal? I, I believe maybe letter no, letter I, I of the he, law. He was, no, he, but it, to me, at the same time, it was the denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity in this case. He was a victim of the of basically the rule of thumb, Mbappe, a, nor, a, a normal player, your standard player. It's not really a goal scoring opportunity when you're that far away from goal. And for him, for him, it would have been. So Denmark got lucky there. The one thing that Denmark really need is is a well, somebody like Mbappe. I mean, okay, every every team could do with that. But well, even someone like Giroud would have been useful for Denmark. I think just a striker who can 
both score and link with the team. He doesn't have to be brilliant, but he just has to be a little bit better than the ones they had. So in the first game, they used Kasper Dolberg, who has not really... I don't think he's even scored this season for his club and clearly is, is not playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, so this time they went with Cornelius, who's like a much stronger center forward. Uh, and then they took him off at half time because they evidently thought, well, we haven't really created anything um, and put on Braithwaite. And Braithwaite is like mobile, you know, puts himself about a bit, but is not really a goal scorer. So, you know, they've all, if you could mix them all into one player, you know, the kind of strength of, of Cornelius, the intelligence of Dahlberg and the mobility of, um, Braithwaite. of uh, Braithwaite, you might have, you know, a half-decent striker. But unfortunately, Denmark are always kind of... And the rest of the team is is strong. Like, it's really solid. They're very clever. And their game plan was was really clear. You know, the, the, France, the way France play is so compact. You know, it's like, keep it tight. All the lads, uh, the defense is narrow. You know, the midfield is close to the defense. There isn't any space through the middle. So the space is all on the wings. And what Denmark just kept doing was hitting these diagonal balls to the wings in the hope that, they've, you know, maybe their two, their two best attackers are... Uh, Damsgaard on one wing and particularly Lindstrom who I was really impressed with on the other wing um, he's a, he looks a really good player he was one of the best players in the, in the game um, but even if they on the, on the occasions they did get the ball into the box and a lot of the crosses were kind of Ericsson from sort of deep positions they just didn't have anyone who could do anything with them and France just have so many big strong guys who are just it's, it's just very difficult to see how you get past them you know uh, ultimately Denmark did score from a corner but like France, they've got players who are big, strong, and quick all over the field. Like, they're just superior to you in every way. You know, physically just superior to you. You can't beat them for pace. It's very difficult to get in between them. Like, and then all they need to do is just pass the ball up the wing. And, oh, you know, it's it's over for you. I mean, because there was, there was numerous chances besides the two that Mbappe scored. Well, I was going to say, Griezmann. Mbappe himself missed an absolute sitter, which he did in the first match as well. He could he could honestly nearly have the golden boot wrapped up if he'd been really yeah. clinical in this tournament so far. And yet he still got his two goals. And I, I guess was a lot of fun to watch as well, was he? He's he's amazing. He is he is genuinely amazing. I've, I can't remember seeing a player with this this type of uh, acceleration and and uh, it's not just acceleration in his case it's also he can go over a long distance at, at an incredible speed i mean there was there was he, he was on a hat trick when he had a chance where where he was a ball that was coming in sort of over his head as he ran into the box and he took it really early like he tried to basically volley it from the edge mm. of the box and, and made, made a mess of it and the reason that he did that is that he kind of i think he thought that anderson is behind me if I control this, but he just hadn't factored in the speed differential, <laughs> exceptional <laughs> speed differential. Anderson was so far behind him. He had time to absolutely take it down and, I don't know, get down his hands and knees and try and head past the keeper if he wanted. Um, so that was, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty scary. You know, from Ireland's point of view, if these guys are all playing, like... <sighs> Uh, forget forget about Ireland, oh, Jesus. Ken. Jesus, like you know, we're I, at the moment. I'm just luxuriating in Mbappe. I don't want to have to think about what how horrible he's going to make gonna my life. In, yeah, for in where did you watch it? Where did you watch it, Murph? Oh, well, that's an interesting question, Owen. Uh, I was uh, walking around town. I decided that after you know five straight days of watching ten hours of football, I should get out and take in some air. So I went into town uh, for some lunch at around uh, half one yesterday, or yesterday being Saturday. Um, 
Lunch was extremely slow in arriving in my designated restaurant. Uh, so I looked at my watch, discovered it was quarter past three. I was like, hmm, I might not actually make it home to watch this. So maybe I should go to the pub to watch France Denmark instead. This is sort of horrible choice that I was faced with. At that exact moment, some friends of ours texted to say that they were in Dohany and Nesbitt and would we fancy going up there? I said, absolutely perfect. Well, we went on our merry way up to Dohany and Nesbitt, walked in at around uh, 20 to 4. I look around. Many, many TV screens, all of them showing either Wales, Australia, in the rugby. an entirely irrelevant uh, rugby test match, or Leinster against Glasgow, an entirely irrelevant uh, URC game. I, I said to myself, well, at four o'clock, obviously, all of the televisions will switch to France, France, Denmark. I fall into conversation. All of a sudden, I look at my watch. It's ten past four. I've just ordered another pint. And France, Denmark is nowhere to be seen. I say to the barman, listen, it's busy in here. Of course, you forgot. France, Denmark is on. He said, unfortunately, I only have two skyboxes. So I looked at him and I said... Well, yeah, but this game is entirely irrelevant. And this game behind me is even more irrelevant than this entirely irrelevant game. He's like, I'm sorry. The World Cup is just going to have to lose out. I looked at him. Honestly, I I, I was rendered speechless for 30 seconds. In the end, I had to get my phone out and watch it on my phone for half an hour until halftime came. And then obviously I took my custom elsewhere. But can you believe this, Owen? Well, I can believe Leinster, absolutely. Leinster is on brand, Murph. For any, any pub in an area you want, you around Street. You want to see the size of the screen showing Wales, Australia. Turns out that was one of the great comebacks. Possibly Wayne Pivak's last game as Wales coach. <laughs> I, don't, I know you don't believe this. I mean, well, no, I, was I, no, no, I am surprised. I am very, I am very surprised about the Wales. I'm not surprised about the Leinster one at all. I am very surprised the second TV the was showing was ten, Wales. Australia ten Garden. foot. It was like ten foot by ten foot showing Wales against Australia. Ken, any thoughts on that before I ask you about Leo Messi? Oh, well, I think it's a disgrace. I don't. But luckily, um, Stephen Kenny was over here at the game. He didn't need to go into Donnie and Nesbitt's to see it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a surprise, but you know, uh, I don't know. So I suppose maybe Donny and Espens have taken a stand against what they see as the ultimate sellout of football, or the ultimate sellout of football so far. Maybe they're uh, boycotting in terms it. Of what we're seeing. Maybe yeah. it's part of a Boycott, Qatar, Qatar boycott. Hmm. Well, maybe you might, so. you might have stumbled upon a story there, Murph. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Something tells me, but maybe. What about we? I did a podcast with the great Tim Vickery again about Messi mm. and Argentina against Mexico. What did you? What are Kennedy's thoughts on that? I thought it was one of the worst games of football I ever saw for (laughs) about an hour. It really was awful. It was horrific. It was like, these teams are so bad. What's wrong with these? What's wrong with these guys? And everyone was just melting down under the pressure, you know? Uh, But what what I found interesting about it was uh, I watched this one in a bar in town because the the France-Denmark game was at uh, Stadium 974. Uh, and the great thing about Stadium 974 is it's walking distance from my house. So uh, after the game, I simply got up and left and walked into town and went to where I knew this game would be on uh, to meet some friends at, the, at this uh, bar, which is close to, close to where we were staying. Uh, and the place is completely packed with people from all different countries, all of whom are there to apparently cheer on Argentina, apart from a couple of Mexicans who were there. Literally every, every other single person there was cheering for Argentina, which is sort of interesting, I think. But uh, 
there was obviously nothing to really get excited about for a long time. Like, I mean, it's just foul after foul after foul. Teams can't play, can't string, you know, two passes together. Messi is just losing the ball repeatedly. The most interesting thing about the game, in fact, was that Robbie Keane was the senior analyst on BN Sports. Oh, uh, our own Rob. Yeah, he was, he was the senior analyst, Owen, with uh, uh, Julio Cesar, who he called Julio, and... Uh, Jermaine Jones as filling the sort of Amo and Liam Brady roles and Robbie Keane was Gilesy and <laughs> before the game B in sports have a panda that they uh, Mark Critchley told me this because I missed this part before the game uh, B in sports have a panda which predicts the score predicts the outcome of World Cup matches and the panda had gone for France in the previous game Makes sense. So the panda was on a hot mm. streak, and the panda went for Mexico. And Robbie Keane said, "I think the panda has got this one completely wrong." <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of it, I suppose it was it was Robbie won panda nil, because the, but the panda did get it wrong. Robbie Keane was correct about Argentina's potential to beat Mexico, but it took a long time for it to come. And, and essentially, when it did, it was just a miracle out of nothing by Messi. It was just an absolutely brilliant goal from like a situation where it seemed so unpromising that I had literally just turned around to look at someone who I'd overheard say something and therefore miss the goal. Uh, I mean, I, tur- oh, no. I, I should say, I, I turned around, uh, I, I turned back around just in time to see the ball hitting the net. Ken, like, exact same I, for I me. Com- I, I, I picked a yeah, really terrible. stupid, mo- I picked a terrible moment to start, you know, paying attention to my child. Yeah. It's just like, oh, no. I just turned around, yeah, what is it? No! You, oh, <laughs> you maybe missed no. the goal. It's the last time I'm talking to you during the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's not really the same. I mean, you know, you can see it. You can see exactly what happens. You can see it's exactly like it, but it, it's, it doesn't go in as a surprise anymore. That's, what, that's why I end up in the other podcast talking all about Messi's celebration rather than the goal itself. It's because <laughs> I, I saw the celebration live. I, yeah. I missed the goal, yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was huge, and I mean, just the release. And then they started to play a lot better. I mean, Mexico themselves. Julio Cesar, I should say blamed Ochoa for the goal he doesn't like when he doesn't like when goalkeepers do that little bounce just as the guy the shooter hits the ball well that's you know if he hadn't done this little jump then he's going to save this shot that was uh, that was his his view obviously uh, mm-hmm. Ju- uh, Robbie Keane was having a bit of banter with you there says uh, we're all happy here in the studio he said apart from Julio here because uh, would you stop uh, now Robbie will you you devil yeah. go on will you go yeah, on now Rob it was all that, was all that, was on, all that sort of stuff and then he was talking about Enzo Fernandez, and, and he, he pointed out that he too uh, was 21 when he scored in the World Cup and uh, and it was an amazing feeling and it was the be- and it's still the best thing he's ever done so the, so the lad Fernandez, the boy Fernandez, is going to be pretty happy uh, with that so that's mm-hmm. that, that was the, the kind of extra insight that you get from um from the top level pros but um yeah the game i mean it was it was a really bad game the pressure was huge did you see imar he was no. crying did was, you see uh, Panda? Oh, it was it was incredible yeah yeah afterwards apparently imar was messi's big hero as well which is another layer to all that when he was when he was a kid yeah he was one of the players yes, yeah. uh, he was one of the players messi liked um and and he was. Sorry, we should say Imar, yeah, Imar is one of the part of the coaching team, part of the Argentinian coaching team. He is, yeah, yeah. He's on the staff now in Argentina, and he he was just sitting there, like having some type of, I don't know what exactly what it was, like the kind of emotional 
there was some sort of torrent of emotion that that he just couldn't stop kind of coming out of him at this moment which i suppose goes to show the kind of fear that uh, that actually uh, these argentinians uh, living you know the, the sort of incredible passion of the, the way that they kind of live football and of their supporters like the kind of the the flip side of that is like what happens to them if they lose i mean if they got knocked out of the world cup after losing to saudi arabia and not you know losing to mexico you know, it just would have been oh my god you know it would have been the worst yet and this is a country that like always exits the world cup in a hysterical way so um i don't know it was it was it was really fascinating to see but yeah, it was great. I mean, it's it's great that they're still alive and that you know maybe they can sort of play their way down into some kind of form because really they'll need to because that was so bad. It was so bad for an hour, and then then maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel for them now. And at least they get to they get to uh, they get to keep the story going for a little while longer. By the way, since we recorded the messy pod, the news came in that the greatest footballer of all time is going to finish his club career being managed by this guy it's like a seat in their eyes they've got glazed eyes yeah the times report inter miami managed by phil neville are close to agreeing a deal with Lionel messi with the u.s club confident that the argentina superstar will sign after the world cup in qatar the times understands miami have looked to further strengthen their side by recruiting players who can complement Messi's skills with two former Barcelona teammates, Cesc Fabregas and Luis Suarez, among those who have been considered. I would say to complement Messi's skills, you should be getting hard-running 19-year-olds into that team and not Cesc Fabregas, who I didn't even know still played football, and Luis Suarez. What do you think, Ken? (laughs) He just mainly gives interviews now, Fabregas. Quite interesting interviews where he says all kinds of stuff. I I, I don't know if Messi's going to be going to Inter... Miami. No, I think he. I think he maybe has some unfinished business zone. You know, you got to remember, Leon, didn't Lionel Messi leave? He never got to say goodbye to the supporters. He never got to play again for for, no, the, for the full no. stadium. So come on, that's they've got to put that right. Surely. Oh, sorry, Bar- you think he's going back to Barcelona? You think? I think there's a pretty good chance of that. I mean, people have been talking about that as a possibility for a year. Uh, and I think that would be much better than going to play pointlessly for Inter Miami. I mean, what even is the point? You know. You can always do that the year after. Yeah. So, well, you uh, yeah. Even, you get paid by David Beckham even more than David Beckham was David getting paid. David Beckham, Lionel Messi can't stop getting paid. It doesn't matter. Everyone's trying to <laughs> stuff money on him. You know, he's. I, I don't think he's got to be making the decision based on money. And besides, Inter Miami will pay him just as much next year. Maybe even more. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe not quite so much of the offer will be in crypto next this time next year. Maybe they'll, they'll put more of it in USD. <laughs> You know, so it might even it might even work out. You know, we'll 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 have a look at that. We'll we or rather we'll we'll wait and see on that one. I keep saying that. It's just my philosophy. Oh, since you're I got done it. again! It's four in a row. We'll wait and see. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. We'll have you're to be wait. Disappointed if you don't Do finish you, the next bit. Well, I'm surprised you don't you don't want to hear my um, predictions for Spain Germany. Given that this people are going to be hearing this after the match has already been played. Okay, go on then. Giving yeah, before yeah. the match has been give us, played. Give us a give us yeah, your okay. prediction that everyone can now judge. What do we think is going to happen? What what do you think is going to happen? I thought that Ger- I mean Germany had this awful result against Japan. Um, I thought that they were played well though, at least for an hour, and then there was all this this um, kind of what happened was he took off his two best players, Musiala and Gundogan, and. You know, Japan put on a lot of players of their own and kept playing with a lot of energy and kind of overran Germany, beat them two one. So it was a total disaster, really, from the point of view of the of the coach Hansi Flick, who really has known nothing but success up to this point, really in his career. You know, if you think if you think about his career, it's been just success after success um, with Germany, with Bayern, and now 
up till this point with Germany again, I guess. Um, now, the interesting thing is, uh, what, what, what's the effect of this Gundogan? So apparently there's, all, there's a lot of problems in the Germany team uh, between Gundogan and the Bayern players. So Gundogan basically said after the game, people weren't showing for the ball. I'm out there and, no, and you know, I'm looking around and who wants the ball here? You know, it's not enough to just stand there. You have to move. You have to you have to move yourself and show. That's what that's how you show that you want the ball. You want to you want to play. And if you don't give your teammates options, then it all breaks down. Which is like a pretty cutting thing to say. You know what I mean? This is like that's like a pretty big criticism. It's like you know, I mean, that's it's it's a very basic uh, uh, failing. Uh, and then apparently Gundogan's agent started ringing up all German journalists to say, yeah. I don't know why he was taken off at 70 minutes, by the way, because he was totally fit. So I don't really get that. You'll have to ask Hansi Flick about that one. So that's that also seems to touch touch on the sort of not that team spirited uh, side from from old Ilkay. Um, but he's back in the team. Uh, the only player I thought maybe Sula would be dropped because Sula was um, the kind of big hefty uh, right back. He he played um, the Japanese goal scorer uh, onside. For the for the winning goal, and generally he didn't play that well. I thought maybe he'd come out, but actually it's Schlotterbeck, the um, centre back, who was who was also beaten in that move, who ha who's the only player who's uh, who's been dropped. Now I'm just giving you team news of a game that's already happened, so I don't know why I've done that. But can I say your prediction? I just predict, give, us a, give us your prediction. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Spain here on. I think that Spain, Spain. are going to win the match. Oh. Own, uh, prepared to make yourself look like an idiot in real time? No, I'm not, no, I'm not predicting. I'm just going to leave it at that. What? You're not going to predict? No, I'm going to just leave it at that. People call them rats because a rat will do anything to survive. Isn't that right, Mr. Hill? Objection. I would not give Real Madrid a rat's chance against no, Chelsea. You didn't give them a rat's chance. If, if, they, if they get through against Chelsea, uh, Owen, I do not give them a rat's chance. Okay, there's, yeah, a rat. Rat's chance. Yeah. No, no rat's chance. Kamavinga searching for Benzema who hooks it in the goal of back it's I just don't see it <laughs> still come on right? I will not give around it a rat's yeah, chance city. not a rat's chance Up with you eventually. I don't believe in magic. I believe in reality. I believe in material reality. Here comes Benzema. Side puts the ball in. I don't know nothing about being a rat. Mr. Hill, you know everything about being a rat. I thought they would lose to PSG. They beat PSG. I thought they would lose to Chelsea. They beat Chelsea. I thought they would lose to Manchester City. And really, they should have lost to Manchester City. And what about Liverpool then? Are you giving them a chance against Liverpool? No. Ken, your prediction has not come to pass. You underestimated their manshaft. Uh, well, ho hold on a second there, Owen. Hold on, yeah. I'll stop you right there now. Yeah. Uh, because they're not called der manshaft. What's the manshaft Either way, I don't, I don't I know. I believe what, it's d manshaft. Yeah, it was d manshaft, yeah. Well, not anymore. Man manshaft, manshaft is, of course, uh, feminine. <laughs> Hence D. Is it well? Well, obviously it is if it, they're using D. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and they've decided uh, that uh, to some people, just calling their uh, men's national football team the team might come across as a little arrogant. So they decided ah. to stop calling themselves D Manshaft there a couple of months ago. So um, well, whatever they're calling themselves now, Ken, they've 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 got the point that they. Come across? Who's uh, going to come across as arrogant too? I mean, it's not like it's not anyone else speaks German. I mean, what are the Austrians going to have a problem with it? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Uh, some of the Swiss, know, they, some of the Swiss, of course. Yeah, you know, come on, I think it, uh, you see. I always thought like it, it. It's kind of an. It's kind of a contrived name, a bit like uh, you know, Der Klassiker, uh, which obviously yeah. they've, they've just copied it from from the Spanish. They've kind of pretended this is the thing, and and I always thought it was it was kind of like a, a sort of a haha nudge nudge double entendre type of thing that English people would find funny. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, look, I don't know. I, did I underestimate them? No. Oh, and if anything, I overestimated them. They got absolutely tranced out there. They've got one all. They, they, I mean, I know the score seems to suggest that uh, honors were even, but honors were not even. Oh, certainly not the honors I've been sharing upon Pedri in my Irish Times report. Uh, <laughs> as far as I can see. Uh, there was uh, there was one guy, there was one senior man out there, and he was not the, he was the twenty year old, who was uh, absolutely bossing it. Honestly, that's he's brilliant. He's unbelievable. I've uh, he, he I mean I've never seen a twenty year old midfielder as good as that. I'd say well, I thought Germany were f- absolutely full value for their for the draw. They. Probably should have scored before. Then full, full Krug himself had a chance that Musiala set up. Musiala and Sane, when, when he was playing, caused quite a few few problems. Musiala whacked one straight at the goalkeeper. Even after they got their goal, Sane nearly went around the, the Simon at one stage. I, I think you're being somewhat harsh in Germany. Okay? I think they were. I think they well, saved themselves. Having been outplayed it, for the first hour, I thought they really kind of once the, once the once they had to do it, they actually well, they had to do it from the start of the game. But they did once they went to goal down, start playing some ball. I thought. I will admit, Owen, that uh, my knowledge of the last half hour of the game is not as detailed as my knowledge of the first hour of the game. <laughs> by, by virtue of only having uh, one pair of eyes, yeah. uh, unfortunately, which I had to uh, often uh, be looking at my screen, um, and not having the extrasensory awareness of Pedri, for instance. <laughs> Yeah. Once again, to... centered your Irish Times article uh, tomorrow around. I see what you're saying. All, all I'm saying is that this guy just seems to be able to uh, be aware of a lot of stuff at the same time. Certainly more than me. Mm. And so uh, it is the case that uh, Germany did come into it a little bit more. But, you know, I suppose you've got a bit of desperation uh, football against a team that's been sort of uh, playing. They changed the, their uh, their approach in the, last, uh, in the last part of the game. Germany, they had to try something different. They went for some fast players. They tried to up the tempo. You know, I mean, the first half, particularly, it was just, you know, Gundogan and Kimmich. I mean, I was looking up how many games these guys... These guys have played 1,400 games. Kimmich, Gundogan, and uh, muscle man Leon Goretzka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just an all-purpose handyman. Mm. He can, <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you need heavy stuff stacked, he is your man, Right. Uh, you know, the, and, and they've won 16 league titles, and uh, Kimmich and um, and Goretzka have obviously won the Champions League. Uh, Gunny has been a losing finalist, and so these are among the most decorated players of their um, generation. And they're playing against a 20 year old and an 18 year old, and they can't get near them. And how must that feel for those guys? I mean, it's just it's just really incredible. I mean, Gunny and I think. Uh, it would have been a tough one for him. He ended up getting substituted again. He wasn't happy about being substituted the last time, but uh, Flick decided to to take him off. This time, the result was rather better than the previous substitution. The last time he took Gunnigan off and the team fell apart, this time he took him off and things sort of improved because 
Germany just started going a lot more direct. You know, Spain, of course, we're in the uh, the commanding position of having three more points than Germany, having uh, eight more goals in, in terms of goal difference uh, than Germany, and not needing to win uh, half as badly as Germany did. Uh, so they're they're uh, top of the group now. Uh, Germany are still bottom uh, after Costa Rica beat Japan. So Germany were the ones that, that really had to go for it. I mean, uh, you know, what, what, what amazed me about it was seeing Germany, who are obviously all, you know, historically one of the most powerful teams in world football, sort of reduced to that like Ireland level of we are just we just can't compete with these guys. All we can do is hope to not concede and then maybe get a goal off a set piece. And actually, they nearly did do that. Well, I mean, Rudiger did do that, but Rudiger, for some reason, ran offside when he really had no need to do it. And this was kind of the interesting thing about Spain. Like, they're playing Rodri at the back, you know? Like, it's, you're kind of like, well, what are they going to do with that Busquets-Rodri situation? Simply play both of them. Just use Rodri as a centre-back. doesn't matter that he doesn't really head the ball much. You know, it's not like anyone's going to be able to get close enough to put in a lot of crosses on us anyway, so it'll be grand. It seems to be their approach. Like, we've evolved beyond worrying about whether our centre-backs can head the ball well. You know, not, not that Rodri's bad in the air. It's just that he's a defense midfielder. Like this isn't his, this isn't his specialty. Like this, this, this idea just wouldn't really have occurred to many coaches uh, outside Spain before you know the last few years. Obviously, Guardiola started doing it with you know playing Mascherano at the back and this this type of thing. Rodri at least is a bit is is a lot taller than him, but you know it's kind of like, do I worry about my? Uh, I, I don't spend any more time worrying about whether my centre back is really strong in the air than I do worrying about like say I want to drive from Madrid to Barcelona like where am I, or, or I want to travel from Madrid to Barcelona where am I going to find all the stops to where, where where do I do I need to map out all the places I need to stop off to get hay for my horse right like he doesn't worry about that when he moves from Madrid to Barcelona either this is just the kind of thing that that doesn't worry him anymore. But you can see that when they give away free kicks, there is there's a problem there. I didn't think the goalkeeper, the Spanish goalkeeper, is great. Not necessarily in terms of his... He did actually make a couple of decent saves, but his he passed the ball to Germany a lot. He was Germany's most creative attacker for a lot of the game. <laughs> you know, and... And that was that. That's maybe a little bit of a of a concern. He talked and about that. that I, know, yeah, he talked about that because didn't he have a howler? Was it at the Euros? And he did an interview with. I'm going to say Sid Lowe. I'm not 100 percent sure it was Sid. So if it was somebody else, I, I do apologize for this one. But he was making it really clear that that's what I do. I'm 100. I'm passing it out. It's part of it's part of the game. But it's how it's how football is played now. So you have yeah. to suck up the odd mistake when you're playing it like that. Well, it's not how football is played. If you're Hugo Lloris, Owen, you just uh, boot that ball. You look at <laughs> you look over you look over. You give the thumbs up to Didier in the bench. He gives you the thumbs up back. It's like absolutely, absolutely. And then you look back to where the ball is dropping out of the sky i mean that's that's the way france do it you know france are, france are the world champions and i think can probably beat any of these teams i mean they they certainly have the capacity to do it but they don't they don't bother with the build-up germany obviously do i mean what Ger germany are uh are, are a team that tried to sort of that saw what spain were doing with their football and, and said okay we want to do that like this is the best let's let's do that and so they were kind of playing trying to play that way but they're just kind of an inferior version of it they don't have like, you know, Spain had Rodri, Germany had Sule. You know, that's not... These players aren't really comparable in terms of what they can do with the ball. Um, 
you know, you can't compare Goretzka. I mean, Goretzka could bench press the Spanish midfield three, no problem. But he can't, <laughs> but he can't compete with them in the football sense. You know what I mean? He can, mm. he can maybe get to a ball first if, he, if, if, if they've got, like, a bit of ground to charge over. But, like, he can't play football against these guys. Um, and when they, when they changed approach and kind of went more direct, then they started having a bit more joy. This time, obviously, he didn't take off Musiala, which helped. I mean, he got hammered for taking off Musiala in the previous games. Like, why'd you do that? Like, he's obviously our best player. And this time, it's like, okay, well, I'll leave him. Bring on Sané. Sané kind of question marks over his fitness. Um, but obviously, he has got, he's got fantastic pace. You know, he's Spain, a guy who can Spain attack. looked terrified when Sané or Musiala ran at them. Yeah, well, I, I mean, they, if, they, I mean, if, if I was, these players if I was, can destroy you. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I was a Spanish supporter, I would not be... Uh, sticking my chest out after that game and saying, well, a draw is fine for us and we played when we needed to and we're way better than these guys and I, there's no way that if we meet these guys down, uh, further on the tournament that they're going to beat us. Like, I think there were still, a, there, were still ma- there were still big holes in Spain as a you know, bona fide World Cup favourite after that game, I think. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, there's a couple of issues. I mean, first of all, obviously Murata got the goal didn't start the game because nobody really believes in him, least of all himself. Um, you know. But like he 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 does have he does have potential, you know. On his, on his day, things are things are going well, uh, and he, and it was a nice goal uh, today. Almo, I thought had a brilliant game. Ferran yeah. Torres wasn't really in the game much. I don't think Asensio was really on the same level as these other as these other Spanish players. But we're joined now by someone who has been in great form. Uh, Miguel Delaney, how are, you, how are you doing here, Miguel? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. We, we've been we've been disagreeing a little bit here because it seems like I'm much more impressed with what uh, we've just seen from Spain than um, Kieran and Owen, who've been brainwashed by Alan Shearer. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought they were mostly very good, although you could see why they might just fall short of winning it. Uh, I think they're like for long periods they're absolutely brilliant. Um, better shape than Germany the way, like, the way they won the ball the confidence to come out of pretty much any situation now that dipped into a bit of an overconfidence that I think is the sort of thing that will pass away with time like say the 2006 team to the 2008 team um, but uh, at the moment it, it's a potential flaw uh, especially given that uh, Unai Simo the keeper was sometimes Germany's Gunter Netzer figure would uh, yeah. <laughs> falls through but uh, um, Pedri uh, how is he so good? I mean, he he's better. He's obviously better age 20 than Xavi or Iniesta were at that age. And even that, it's almost like he's actually a mix of the two of them because he's got pe- he's got Xavi's kind of control, vision of the game, ability to set a tempo. And then he's got Iniesta's ability to kind of come out of challenges and provide all these little touches and, and little passes through. There was one moment in the first half that pretty much showca- showcased this. He won the ball in the centre dribbled around I can't remember which German player it was and then basically played a, tr- a true ball um, like him and Gavi were and, and I suppose that, that whole midfield really like it really is a sort of um, without getting kind of Gilesy or Dunphy here it is kind of an element of like this, this, this is actually what kids should be showing or should, what they should be encouraged to kind of develop that, that technique and out of that technique that kind of bravery to actually take take football on, football on and try and do things with it why did they stop doing yeah, it Miguel I, why did they stop doing it after an hour this is the thing though they're a goal up I, against against a really not very good Germany team who are racked with nerves surely waiting to get slaughtered by everyone back home after what looks like, like it's going to be an, an inevitable defeat and then for the last half an hour I thought Spain didn't, didn't do anything to drive their advantage home well I think there's a few things there I think first of all this is a really young team and I think and it's why I would say when it comes right down to it 
um, it's probably a cycle too far for them. Uh, yeah, like a, th- these are all sort of flaws that will, um, I think, will be finessed over another tournament campaign. But for the moment, they're, they're there now. Uh, and, I, and I think part of that, it's, it's almost that, like when you think of the classic Spanish side, that situation, even when they played Germany in, say, 2010 semi-final, they went 1-0 up, but kind of like sort of hammered Germany in play just because they, they didn't allow them to get near their goal or get near the ball. This Spain don't have that yet. In fact, that, like, I mean, they're obviously not as good as Spain 2010. But it was quite interesting to watch them because, like, I mean, it's hard not to kind of make comparisons and think back. And as a team, I think they actually attack better than that Spain. Not that they don't have players who are good. They don't have a David Villa. Um, and, and obviously, in, in yes, and Xavi were in their prime at that point. But um, but they've got more angles. Right? They're, they're, they're willing to try more. It's not that constant kind of just waiting to unravel opposition. That could be seen even the fact that like Danny Almo, Danny Almo shot from distance. The, the amount of surges and the flank they had. I, like, I don't really remember the 2010 team doing that too often. But that, I think, comes at the cost of some control, which can leave them a bit more... Um, Susceptible to these sudden breaks than that Spanish. I mean, that 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 team in 2010. Its only real flaw was that if that high line it was a, a ball straight through it, as Switzerland scored in that first game. Uh, whereas this side, it does feel like they've just because the, because their willingness to stretch a pitch, it can leave them a bit more open. I think that's what cost them in the last 30. But then as well, let's not forget as well. I mean, Spain were playing as if they're pretty much true. Even even the draw really puts them on the brink. Whereas Germany really had. Like it was two teams in kind of different game states almost. Like Germany absolutely had to do something, and we're kind of almost going for Spain with brute force at that point. Do you see Germany as contenders here? Well, I mean, I don't want to say <laughs> don't, don't write off the Germans, <laughs> but um, you like you can. You did, you did tip them, Miguel, as as Europe's strongest team. I I, I remember you saying that. I, I did, and I've been. I must say, I've been reassessing that because uh, I think I've been reading. <laughs> And pretty woeful in both games, and like there was, there were long periods of that when they were ragged. But like, the thing about these sort of tournaments is that, and, and like this is something we discussed in the preview as well. I, I think the top teams will start to look very different as it evolves and they get more time together. And also then, like, and it, I suppose this is more the case with Argentina than anyone. There's the kind of um, psychological landmarks happening in tournament, and how can that kind of suddenly propel a team? How they can suddenly grow together? Uh, so, if, I mean, if, if Germany get through the group, I think they're on the more forgiving side of the draw as well, if they do finish second, as we expect. Uh, and then everything takes on a completely different momentum. So, and then, like, you, you can still see, uh, right, Spain very much opposed themselves in Germany. But just, you can see from the Japan game, there's at least an idea there. Uh, Fulcrook's quite an interesting player. And Musiala is, I mean, he, he's as good as Pedri and Gavi. He's, he was incredible. Well, Miguel, thanks so many for that. No problem. All right, nicely done there, Miguel. Ken, we will let you... I'm sure you've got a shuttle bus to catch at some point here. So oh, just God. a quick one on tomorrow. Cameroon, Serbia is a 10. Tegria, Ghana, 1. Brazil, Switzerland. We talked about that one on our other podcast today with Tim. That's the 4 o'clock kickoff. I think you're doing the late one, is it? Ronaldo versus Darwin. Uruguay, oh, Portugal. I love the late, I love the late ones. <sighs> I love the late ones. It's another 10 o'clock. Uh, well, 7 o'clock for you. 10 o'clock for me. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo against Luis Suarez in some kind of like cocoon type. <laughs> what is? What even is this? Uh, there, there's some good players. Nine in world the supporting cups between them again. Nine world cups there's, between. There's some very fine players in the supporting uh, cast as well on both sides. On both right. sides. So I look forward to uh, I look forward to Portugal against Uruguay and maybe a few yellow and yellow cards and, and who knows. Thanks, Ken. Thanks. Tell.
Thanks, Murph. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Karen. Great thank job. You. Thanks for listening. You can sign up to the World Service now for ad-free episodes. The Second Campus Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.